Welcome, everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM, 87.6, 87.8 or 88, right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning, you are with the double L team, Lyland. Lawson. Lawson, what are you? I No, I don't, I'm not even going to ask. In fact, I'm going to take up this whole time space myself. That's fine. Talking so that you can't say anything at all oh. about what you're thankful for because we just don't even want to hear it. We yeah, just, no, just don't I, I want it. everyone to... To know no, and we observe just, right now no, that no, it's, not uh, happening. it's workplace it's, it's bullying taking place yes, right here, absolutely. gaslighting. This is exactly what is happening here. <laughs> I'm going to gaslight Lawson into silence. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah, we've, oh, you know these shows are recorded, right? I, <laughs> I'm just going to send this clip to HR. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. So let me think about what I'm thankful for this morning. I'm thankful for lots of things. Mm -hmm. I'm thankful for amazing timber. I am a cabinet maker by trade and timber is the most – it's just stunningly beautiful. You know, yeah. when, when God created trees and he created wood and we can build things out of wood and the timber and the grain that you get is just amazing and the tremendous amount of variety that there is and that all the different figures that there is, you know, from fiddleback to wavy to, you know – so many different kinds of patterns that you can get in timber. It's just incredible. I've been, appreci- awesome. I've been appreciating it over the last couple of days. Yeah. Have you been like building anything? I've been I've been building a floor out of timber. Oh, that's and so it's cool. built and it's out of old, old secondhand yes. tongue and groove that's been used and abused and I'm sanding it back and it's coming up with so much character in yeah, it. Yeah, wow. It's just amazing. Dude, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. Awesome. A, a new timber floor looks nice, but it's a little bit clinical. This is not clinical. This is yeah. like, this is hardcore stuff. You, you, it makes, it's like gives like the shack aesthetic, it, it, but yeah. pretty. That's right. It looks like it's a hundred years old, even though I'm putting down a new floor because, well, the floor is 120 years old. <laughs> That's awesome. Let's talk You're about listening the weather. To the Breakfast Joe podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Um, well, okay. Oh, I'm just actually, I'm reading, I'm reading through the rest of the clips and now I know what it is, but, (laughs) (laughs) uh, good stuff right there. All right. Let's have some positively different news this morning. Lawson. Okay. So I've got some interesting news this morning. Yes. I've just got all kinds of interesting news this Mm -hmm. morning where it's kind of like you can uh, interpret yourself, whether it's positively different or not. I think some people would say it is. Some people would say maybe it's not. And that's great. Lawson really wants to have the, uh, the, the, the more challenging news segment. segment. <laughs> challenging. No, I just want to talk about bad stuff. Anyway. <laughs> no, so, All right, so Brexit, um, now yes. that it's, you know, taking place and it's getting yes. done and, and whatnot has paved the way for the allowance of gene edited crops in the UK. Now, if you didn't know this, um, the uh, the European Union is incredibly strict on two things, genetically modified yes. and genetically edited food. Those two different terms are different things. They are. But um, because 
the UK has left, they have fully let the reins loose. They've really cut the red tape out of um, gene-edited food. Now, the difference between gene-edited and genetically modified food is that with genetically modified food, how that takes place is that they add um, genetic information to a crop or an animal or whatever it may be um, to make differences there, sometimes completely different species. Um, whereas gene-edited food is where they remove um, genetic information to basically achieve the same thing, but in a different way. And so I think for, you know, um, for lawmakers here, they're like, oh, well, if we're not adding adding anything, if we're just kind of snipping stuff out, if we're just taking genes out, well, then how can that be a bad thing? And there is like just a number of crops that this is already affecting um, from fruits and plants and even animals. They gave an example of gene editing edited pigs that were immune to lung disease that are produced in Scotland, which are pretty wild. US scientists have also created a, um, they've produced a heat resistant, um, high producing dairy calf using gene editing. So essentially like they're just, they're just going hard with, with the gene edits right now. Um, at the same time, you know, there's been, um, watchdogs and whatnot who have kind of, Stand up against this, and they're like, "Oh no, this is actually weak- weakening um, the standards. Whether it's gene edited or genetically modified, this is weakening um, the the standards of the food that we eat, and we should be living on more natural uh, foods." But then at the same time, it's like, "Okay, you haven't gene edited the cow, but then you pump it full of hormones, or you pump the chicken full of hormones, or you you know you grow your crops a certain way anyway." And it's like, "Oh." What's what's the difference? So lots of interesting conversation. It is. Going it's on there. a very interesting conversation because you you kind of in, in today's world your choice is between say gene edited or genetically modified or heavily pesticized. Yeah. Foods or her, and herbicide. You know, you, you see. You, yeah. You, you're either going to be your food is either going to be polluted with herbicides, pesticides, or it's going to be genetically modified, or it's going to be gene edited. Yeah. That's pretty much the choice yeah, that you have in today's world. That's like on the that and that's on the um the like on the plant crop side of things, and then on the animal crop side of things, it's either going to be pumped full of hormones um, to grow, or it's going to be gene edited. So, yeah, food is tough. You know what the solution to this is, though. Move to the bush, start a garden, and grow your own tomatoes. And bada bing, bada boom. Yeah, absolutely. You're living your best no, life. No, no you don't question have to about worry that. About that is by far the best solution. Now, I'm not going to sit here and act like the patron saint of farming. Like, I buy all my stuff from the shops. I'm not a subsistence liver. You've got enough land out at your place. Maybe you should plant some uh, – it's, it's that time of year. Maybe you should uh, go home this over and plant some seeds. Yeah. Mate, grow some zucchinis. Yes. Oh, I'd love to make my own tofu, actually. I had a friend who started a garden one time, and he went and bought some seeds, and amongst those seeds were zucchini seeds, Yeah, and decided he'd grow some zucchinis, and he grew a whole row of zucchinis. That's epic. Yes. Do I have a bunch of friends who um, are into gardening? Yeah, you, you, so for anyone who's grown zucchinis stuff. before, when you grow zucchinis, you only need like one or two plants. And then it's just... And, and they keep producing zucchinis. They just go off. And he had like 14 of these things. Oh, wow. This is like massive plans. He didn't plans. quite realise. <laughs> Dude, mate, then he's got a zucchini. That sounds like a zucchini business right there. It was a lot of zucchinis. <laughs> That's so awesome. Actually, I have friends with pineapple trees that they've planted in the backyard as well. Um, that they're like... But that, that takes like... Pineapple you- trees. 
You mean like pineapple? I meant banana trees. <laughs> banana I don't know trees. why I said pineapple trees. <laughs> I meant banana trees. So I've, I've got friends who have planted... <laughs> that, that's... <laughs> That's embarrassing. Yeah, pineapple trees. <laughs> no, banana trees. They've planted banana trees in their backyard, but they take, even if you've like kind of rerouted them, like if you've got a new banana tree, it takes like a fair bit to, to get going. It's like a, it's like a one, two year investment before you're like harvesting bananas. But then at that point, like, so I've got a few of my friends, there's, there's the, the hub of banana trees of, of, of amongst my friends, a, a, a couple I know down in Kurumbong. So they've got their banana tree going now and it's just smashing bananas out, like just absolutely getting it done. Um, and now they've given banana trees to other people and their banana trees are kind of going through that process. You know, it's probably another year until they start harvesting. But once it gets in its stride, it's just like, bam, bam, bam. Like you just pulling out like, oh, look, I, I just harvested 75 to 100 bananas from my tree. Like it's, yes. yeah, but basically if you don't want to worry about, you know, GM or GE foods, pff, there you go. You know, banana's not a tree either, right? What is it, like a bush? It's a grass. A grass? Yeah. Yep, it's tall grass. Banana is tall grass. Okay. Uh, in, other- <laughs> in, in other news, oh, the first ever 3D print, well, not the first ever, but the world's longest 3D printed bridge has been deployed in the Netherlands. It is 29 meters long. It goes over, it's made out of concrete. It goes over a river. And it is three times as big as the... Well, wait, no, no, no. So we, we print in concrete. Now, I didn't realise we printed in concrete. I just thought we printed in plastic. Well, now we're printing in concrete. That's Actually, cool. I was about to say it's three times as big. I was incorrect. It is it is ten times as big as the previous biggest 3D printed bridge. Because I was thinking, oh, he's going to tell us they built a bridge out of plastic. But no, no they printed it out of concrete. I yep. like that. Yep, they printed this bridge um, out of concrete. Yeah, so the previous record holder was China. They made a, a 3D printed bridge that was like 10 feet long. It's like three, yeah, three it's a meters, lame. a bit lame. Uh, but dude, then these guys, 95 feet, 29 meters goes over like um, at the moment. This is just a walking bridge. But hey, it shows that the technology there is is there. It's getting better and better and bigger so, and greater. So, so, so Braden has just texted in to say to tell to let you know that he has uh, two pineapple trees. Yes, yeah. two pineapple trees from Braden that uh, is um, that he's waiting for for them to produce fruit. Awesome. So there you go. You know, pineapple yeah, trees. Yeah. Like, they didn't have pineapple trees. My friends didn't have pineapple trees. That was a mistake. But stop grilling me. (laughs) (laughs) You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Okay, so I've just sort of been thinking about how, um, you know, how society moves and how, you know, yesterday's terrorist becomes today's hero. So let me give you an example of this. And I've, I've given this example before, but I'll give it again. And it comes from, you know, the story of Alexander the Great. Yeah, I knew you were going to say yeah. that. So Alexander the Great was a serial arsonist. He burnt the world down. He destroyed cultures that never recovered again. And he was considered in the ancient world to be the equivalent of Adolf Hitler. Everybody just sort of really didn't like him. The difference with Alexander the Great, of course, was that unlike Adolf Hitler, Alexander actually won. So if you look at our world and you ask, okay, what would our world look like if Adolf Hitler had actually won the Second World War? Then you would find that, yes, uh, Germany and German practices and German thoughts and you know Nazi uh, ideology and so forth would be dominating the world right now and a lot of people wouldn't be liking it. But that would be the simple reality of the world that we would live in. An interesting alternative history to stop and consider. Uh, 
Now, of course, uh, you know, Alexander did win and the world became Hellenized to the point that the world is still largely Hellenized. We are still um, following Greek beliefs and practices, you know, from things like uh, natural selection, survival of the fittest, the process of evolution for the origin of species. Mm. This is all Greek philosophy that we live by today. And so we've got so much of that that just simply continues on today. And so it's actually a real thing. And, of course, the Romans came along uh, you know, hundreds of years later and proclaimed Alexander the Great as being Alexander the Great mm-hmm. rather than Alexander the seri- serial arsonist. Alexander the Terrible. Yes, the uh, Alexander the Terrorist. Yeah. Uh, and, <laughs> That's a title And right suddenly there. Alexander became a hero. Mm. And you sort of see it's similar to what you see is happening in our world today. So this is coming out of uh, the Oxford Diocese in the UK where they have just... Uh, introduced contemplative meditation for primary school students. And that sounds like really cool, really nice. Um, this is, uh, they've, they've called it the Space Makers Contemplative Toolkit. They brought it in as a result of around about 12% of primary school students um, reporting lower well-being and about a quarter of a million of them uh, suffering from COVID depression. Mm. And so they're like, well, you know, we need to uh, have some, what, what can we do here? And so this involves stilling, it involves um, noticing, stilling, noticing, dwelling, mending and blessing, which sounds all very, very positive. And it's described as simplified Ignatian exercises. Now, that's not going to mean a whole lot to a whole lot of people unless you know your medieval history. If you know your medieval history, Ignatian exercises were the exercises of Ignatius Loyola. He copied these from you know people like the Knights Templar and the Gnostics, which were much more ancient again. So they actually go back to the Gnostics. You're going back to Greek philosophy. Mm. Uh, and he used these exercises to form an organization that became, well, the medieval equivalent of Al-Qaeda. Oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> All right. It was. It was a terrorist organization. It was one of the most brutal, bloodthirsty, chillingly cold organizations. The the vows that these guys took, and these were Christians, the vows that these guys took and still do take today would just make your hair stand on end. Wow. But it's interesting how times change. You know, here you've got the spiritual exercises of one of the most violent people who ever lived, and now it's like, well, let's go back and let's uh, teach this to primary school children. Yeah. This must be a good thing. Did good things for Ignatius Loyola, right? (laughs) I mean, the other thing that you might not know as a listener is that Ignatius Loyola's organisation that he founded, which was, you know, a medieval terrorist organisation, is now called the Society of Jesus or the Jesuit Order, and Pope Francis is a member of that order. Yeah, fully. Fascinating how times change and the wheels of history just turn. Anyway. That is intense. Ah, <laughs> oh, I do love history. All right, let's uh, see what else we've got to talk about here. Okay, this is a cool story coming out of Australia. Um, as of tomorrow, oh, okay, Future. we are Australia is banning the import of e-cigarettes and anything to do with e-cigarettes. Yes. So this is super yes. positive. I see yes. people celebrating yes. here in the studio. Yes. Now, it's not totally banned because you will be able to get it with a prescription. So if you're struggling with smoking and you need to use this to get off of smoking cigarettes, mm-hmm. you can get a prescription from your doctor to be able to do so, and then you can buy the material from a chemist. Yeah. And that's how all of these harmful products should be treated. 
That's right. These are, this is not recreational. This is not, and, and this has been brought in because you've got kids as young as seven who are taking up uh, e-smoking, and it has this kind of image that it's supposed to be healthier. There was a study that came out when e-cigarettes were first invented that said, oh, this is way healthier than smoking, and now they've found that it's actually not. And everyone doing and every, is getting, like, pneumonia and every study since then lungs said that are collapsing and all kinds of wild things. Like, Yes. And so up until this particular point, the uh, uh, sale of uh, e-cigarettes um, and vapes and the possession of them has been... Uh, been banned, but the vapes have been available online, and anybody knows that you can go down to your local tobacconist or sex shop or vape shop and buy whatever you want. Mm. Uh, and but now that as of tomorrow, so it's going, it's coming in as a uh, as a snap thing, mm-hmm. bang. And, and this is very good. This is very positive. We have a very very long history of uh, prohibition, and we have found that when it comes to recreational drugs, prohibition works, and it's the only thing that does work. Mm. Yes, will it? Pro- Produce a black market? Of course it will. You will always get that in these kinds of situations. Will the government lose tax money? Probably. But it will be worth it because in the long run, it always has a much, much better effect on people's health. Mm. Um, Going the other direction and just legalising everything and letting everybody do their own thing, it just simply doesn't work. And we have so much um, history of that available to us right now. They estimate that there are about 100,000 shipments of uh, e-cigarette material coming into uh, the, the, the vaping um, liquids coming into uh, Australia every year right now mm. and that e-cigarette ha- companies have been particularly targeting children because if you can get children addicted, they stay addicted. Yeah, that's right. Okay, new study coming out of the Manchester Metropolitan University of Chester showing that digital church is here to stay. And one of the reasons for that is, of course, you know, church, uh, COVID has lockdowns have put a strain on community, on worship, on uh, marriages, funerals, everything that has to do with church. But that during the lockdown with digital church taking place, congregations have actually been much higher. Mm. And much more people have been attending church and interacting with church. And this is because there are some people out there who can't go to church. You know, transport is just too challenging for them. Mm. There are others who don't want to go to church. You know, they might be, uh, they might have anxiety around large crowds, all of those kind of things, but they want to worship. Mm. And so what COVID has done is, is that it has forced all of us to create digital churches. And it seems that those digital churches are here to stay. We've all kind of seen the benefit of it. We've all gone, you know what, we're ministering to a whole sector of the community that we weren't ministering to before, and we're reaching out. And so uh, they are here to stay. And, of course, the challenge now is how to integrate our digital members, how to get them actively involved in service and in uh, sharing in church how to, to, to create those kinds of opportunities and actual engagement. The other thing that's interesting is how that church has changed. Midweek church, so prayer meetings, Bible studies, uh, short services, uh, you know, board meetings, business meetings, those kind of meetings, etc., mm. probably gone online and are probably there to stay, according to the research. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. All right, fantastic stuff. Well, joining us on the phone this morning is Veronica from the 
Wanden Fresh Food Program. Veronica, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. Now, that's fantastic. Now, of course, the Wanden Fresh Food Program operates in the Yarra Valley in Victoria. How long ago did you actually get this uh, program up and running and what is its purpose? What does it exist for? So in Yarra Valley, we've got um, this great um, church services network called Link, which stands for Love in the Name of Christ. And it's a Link is a network of local church and community volunteers who um, have a vision to help people in, in practical ways within our community. So a key factor is that it works in partnership with local churches and with our council um, and service agencies. So um, they approached our, um, the our Yarra Valley SDA Church oh, probably about in September last year and invited us to um, become an outlet for the Second Bite or Fresh Food Program at Wondon um, Senior Citizens, and that's where we meet each Sabbath. Um, sadly, we don't have our own church yet. Um, yeah, so it was just a great opportunity um, for us to, um, you know, to engage with this. But we did, you know, as a team, you know, there was a lot of prep uh, involved before we actually got off the road. You know, we needed a team of volunteers that were going to be able to commit um, to helping each Friday morning. And um, yeah, and we also wanted to, you know, most importantly, move forward, knowing that this was what God wanted us to do. So, yeah, so we actually started on um, Friday, um, October the ninth last year, and um, yeah, so we're nearly coming up to our first um, our first anniversary of one year. So it's been really, really exciting, and you know, I can't. Um, you know, like there's so many things that God has done to uh, really show us that this was um, a timely. And I guess you probably know that in Victoria we've had um, quite a, a number of days in lockdown. Yes. So because this is an essential service, um, it's just been such a blessing, not only to us as, um, you know, the team that are, um, you know, serving each Friday morning, but, um, you know, just to have those opportunities to connect with community members. It's just been amazing. Yes, I, I think that, you know, being able to get out and serve other people in a selfless manner is probably one of the best things that anyone can do for their mental health. And to be able to have this outlet that you guys can do every week, uh, you know, get out of lockdown for uh, a, a few hours and get out and actually help other people. I, I can't think of anything better that a person could do during lockdown as far as, uh, you know, maintaining your own mental health and your own spirituality and your own connection with God. Absolutely. And look, you know, we know that, you know, those social connections are integral um, in supporting, you know, healthy mental health and well-being. So, you know, and it is our prayer as a team, you know, it's uh, yes, how it's certainly advantageous to be able to provide the physical um, needs of food and pantry items. But beyond that, you know, what's been absolutely such a blessing is to be able to establish friendships with um, local community members and and um, and just as, a, you know, God has used just such an amazing um, ways of matching, you know, different volunteers with um, community members and, and many of the, the people. So each, each Friday we probably have between 20 to 30 community members that come along and um, grab some food. But, you know, they don't just grab the food um, while it's really lovely. They linger, they, you know, they engage in conversations. 
um, you know, and it's just really lovely that, you know, you know, we know, you know, we know each other by first names and just, you know, every Friday, just, you know, welcoming these people and checking how their week has been and, and just um, showing that authenticity around, you know, we, we really care about how, how you're going and, and what can we do to help beyond, you know, just providing you with a couple of bags of food each Friday. Yeah, absolutely. And it's one of the things that I notice is a, a vast difference between these uh, food programs that are provided by, you know, charitable organizations around the country compared to a supermarket. You go to the supermarket, you stand in line, you pay your food, you say like three sentences to the uh, checkout person behind the counter and move on. And there's no relationship there. But when people come to these food programs, you know, the one that I was involved in, you know, people were turning up an hour early and we'd, mm. you know, put on afternoon tea for them and they just hung, hang out and make friends. You build a relationship at these kind of programs. And people build a relationship here that they don't get when they go shopping, you know, to their local supermarket. This is really critical, particularly during lockdown. I mean, Victoria, I think, has the uh, Melbourne has the world record for the longest lockdown city anywhere in the world. Yes, I am. Yeah, which I'm very um, sad about. But look, and look, we've had those community members actually say to us, many of them have said to us, you know, explicitly that we don't just come for the food, we come for the social connections. Um, and what's also been great, um, our, when, when we weren't in lockdown, and I think we had two opportunities this year, um, a, a team from our church also, also run a friendship group on a Sunday. Well, it typically is run once a month, but I think we've only run two this year. Um, and we've, and it's been able to, we've been able to invite, um, you know, members that come to the free food program. And, and I think we've had, you know, seven or eight of them come along on a Sunday and, and enjoy, you know, a lovely lunch on a Sunday afternoon and, and a fast activity. So, and again, that's um, you know we've had mums bring their you know their 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 parents along you know and neighbours and friends. So it's just it's just been lovely just to um, continue that, that those social connections. And um, and another thing, like we we because people were lingering and talking, you know, we ended up putting some chairs out out. Um, but this was probably around in um, April and again when we weren't in lockdown. And people just wanted to sit and talk, and it was lovely. And then we thought, oh, we, let, let's make some soup with some of the vegetables that we get. So, a couple of Fridays um, when we had when we went in lockdown, we served up soup and some bread rolls. And again, people just hung around, sat for about an hour, um, and it was just a lovely opportunity, um, you know, to the uh, volunteers to speak with these people. And look, you know, the, we've got about twelve volunteers that, are, that have just been amazing. I can't thank these people enough for their love and commitment each Friday. Um, you know, they extend, you know, they're just so in tune with, um, with you know, reaching out, showing friendship and, and just building those relationships. And as I said, with, with that social opportunity of, of serving some soup and, um, and buns and things like that, again, it was, you know, just timely. People were able to sit down, get alongside with people and, and talk about how you're going. And, um, yeah, so it's been a, a really, really amazing. Yeah, that's fantastic. Veronica, let me ask you a couple of questions here. Um, yeah. You mentioned that this is a part of uh, the Link uh, program, which is, you know, a bunch of different churches in the Yarra Valley. They've got together to do various programs. They've asked you to do this particular one. Does Link operate yeah. other food programs within the region as well? Yeah. So they wanted to, that, that was probably key why they wanted to offer it in Wandon. So 
Um, there's one in Wurrialic, um, there's one in um, Yarra Junction, and there's one in Millgrove, and there's one in Warburton. So that was servicing, well, I hope our listeners know Yarra Valley, but that was servicing right along from, you know, Warburton. And um, so they wanted to extend it beyond Wurrialic and um, service people more, you know, from the larger community or, you know, a demographic. So it's been great because Wanda, we, we have people even coming up from Lilydale um, to access the program. And look, we also do, um, you know, prepare food hampers as well. So people that aren't physically able to access the program on a Friday morning, um, you know, most of us do, you know, box up some things and items and, and deliver them to people that aren't able to, you know, um, you know, physically get to the program. Um, our Wondon our Church, our um, Bible worker, has been able to um, drop some hampers this year to two of our community members that have had surgery uh, this year. So, again, that's built because of that trust that's been built, you know, consistently over the, the weeks and months, um, you know, they felt comfortable for having our Bible worker, um, you know, drop off hampers, you know, when that was required and needed. Yeah, amazing stuff. Now, um, what what kind of people generally do you have coming along and, and accessing this kind of food? Yeah, so we've got a real um, diverse group. We've got, um, you know, widow, widowers, widows. Um, the London Senior Citizens is right alongside a, a retirement village. So um, a number of the people, the um, residents from the retirement village access the program. We've had a few single parents. But look, I, I guess with um, COVID and, and the lockdown, you know, it's really been evident that, you know, many of our families in our community are struggling financially. And, you know, for them to be able to access this support that would, you know, potentially free up money for them to pay for bills um, or other, you know, necessary items. This has just been such a blessing. So really, you know, we, we, we're getting, you know, young people, even we've had a couple of young young people come along. So, you know, we get, you know, as I said, single parents, you know, widows, widowers, um, you know, but predominantly most of the people are, you know, more senior, but, um, you know, we really just, uh, you know, have a quite a diverse group of people coming along. And look, that's what I love about Link is such a supportive service and it's really given us a, a, an opportunity as an Adventist church to um, be part of this, you know, local church network. Um, so, um, you know, they support us in even helping other, you know, we've had a family, one of the fam- a family who was trying to access some psychology for their son and we were able to connect them with Link um, and they, you know, were able to um, pay for some um, psychology sessions for this um, mother and her and her young son. Um, they've also, oh, in Victoria, we, there was a utility relief, you know, like a, um, a energy grant. So um, Link do typically come along and visit the program. They try to visit, I think, twice a term. And it's, again, great opportunity for us to, you know, if in, in our conversations with members of the community, if we, um, you know, are privy to other needs beyond the, you know, the food needs, and we can refer them to Link, and Link, you know, can help with, um, you know, um, some, you know, local transport, some vouchers, and for bill help, um, and other pantry and personal items. 
Um, but we were also able to get alongside many of our um, members and, and help them access this um, utility, um, this energy relief grant. And that was lovely, you know. So it's been really amazing how God has just opened doors in a, in a, in a you know, beyond what we ever thought or, or even imagined. Now, I understand that you've diversified from food somewhat and at times you've even provided firewood. Is that correct? <laughs> yes. So, um, yes. So, there's in in uh, in Melbourne, there's um, access through the department to a non-utility relief grant. So, um, we were mortified when we had um, a, you know a senior single man say to us say to us that he was putting on actually lighting his gas gas stove to keep warm. Um, you know, just and um, thankfully, you know, we, you know, we're aware that these non-utility relief grants exist. So again, we were able to get alongside him. Um, I was able to ring the Department of Health and Human Services here and um, and connect him to, excuse me, connect him to that um, grant. And um, yeah, and they delivered you know six hundred and fifty dollars worth of, of firewood so that he didn't have to light his stove to keep warm. So yeah, we've heard we've heard a lot of sad stories, but again, just. God has opened up in amazing ways um, how to access the support that, and there is support. We're very, very blessed in the valley. There, you know, they're very um, community minded, and and this, um, you know, as I said, link just helps us as a church to be able to access these other support services that are available. I think this is fantastic, and Veronica, I just want to encourage you know our listeners, if uh, wherever you are at this particular time, there are opportunities to serve like this right across Australia, and particularly if you're feeling a bit down at the moment as a result of COVID or whatever, the very best thing that you can do is to get out and to do something like what Veronica is doing and to serve others. Uh, if we had time, we could talk about all of the sponsorship that the local community has tossed in, but Veronica, unfortunately, we are out of time, but thank you so much for joining us this morning. Oh, thank you so much, Lyle. And um, yes, it, it's it's just great. As I said, that, you know, we, we are here to bless the community, but it, the blessing has been amazing for us. That was Veronica from the Wandon Valley Food Service. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at one eight hundred Faith FM.